Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. going to talk to you today about knowing and finding out the will of God. I think overall, most of us struggle with that as much as anything. What is it to know the will of God? What is it to be in the will of God? How do I know if I'm out of the will of God? And basically, we're going to take a good look at it this morning. Now, we know that there are some overarching um, will for all of us. Fact is, we know that God says that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of Him. So it's ultimately His will that everybody be saved. Uh, we know that it's His will that um, Ephesians chapter two says that we were created as God's masterpiece and created to do good works that He planned for us before the beginning. So we know that it's God's will that we do good works. We know that it's God's will, according to the Apostle John, that we prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. But what does it mean individually for us to know God's will, to be in God's will? Proverbs chapter 16 says this. It says, uh, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes. Have you ever noticed that we tend to think what we do is right? Talked about this a few weeks ago. We tend to bracket things. It's a propensity of humankind that we tend to group things together. And so we use ourselves as a measuring stick. Have you ever noticed? And I talked about this two or three weeks ago. Anybody that drives slower than us is a slowpoke. And anybody that drives faster than us is absolutely nuts. We do it just right. Anybody that's, that makes uh, less than we do is poor, bless their hearts. And anybody that makes more than us is rich. And then there's another bracket that anybody that makes more than those is filthy, stinking rich. So we tend to bracket things. So we may be pure in our own eyes, but the Lord examines our motives. He knows why we do what we do. The writer of the Proverbs goes on and he says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. In other words, get in the well of the Lord and he's going to help you out. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose, even the wicked for the day of destruction. I started out by saying it's his overarching will that everybody be saved. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But yet he knows, even before the beginning of time, he knew that there would be those that would not accept him. So in his ultimate will, he, his purpose fits everything, even the wicked for the day of disaster. So what is it to know the will of God, to be in the will of God? Let's pray. We'll get into the message. Father, thank you for everything this morning. We feel your presence in this place, and we just ask for your help today. Open our minds and our hearts to understand what you speak to us through your word. Thank you for taking time to do that. This word is a love letter that you wrote us Oh, so many years ago, but it still applies to every day. So, Lord, come alongside us and help us out where we're weak. Strengthen us where we're already strong, but, Lord, that you would work in us every day to accomplish your will, and we thank you in advance for doing that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? 
Amen. So what is it to know the will of God? Well, first of all, we've got to decide what is the will of God. It is not a feeling. Too many times, especially in this day and time in which we live, we hear the, the echo of, you just got to go with your heart. That's what a, the daytime TV thing. So just go with your heart. Go with whatever you feel in this day and time in which we live. That's an that's a echoed cry over and over again. I just feel this in my heart. Well, this is what it tells us in the Word. Jeremiah 17, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. My heart is the problem. I have shared with you many, many times, my heart is, is my problem. It's like a bad board meeting in there. There's always somebody that's trying to steal the agenda and do something that's not even on the table. There's always trying somebody arguing for this side and somebody arguing for that side. My heart is the problem. So how on earth could I trust it? My heart will betray me. My heart will tell me lies. My, my feelings sometimes run away with me. Our emotions. How many times have you ever done something in the heat of the moment? And then you said, oh, my Lord, how could I have done that, said that? Your heart is the problem. And Jeremiah cuts to the quick right there. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So it is not a feeling. Don't go by your feelings. It's a big problem these days. Everybody wants to go by what they feel. It is not a formula. We as human beings want a formula. We want a recipe. We want a one, two, three, A, B, C. Woo, I'm in the will of God. That's why we fall into all these traps that are put out there for us that sometimes we go through the motions and we feel justified before God. That's why there's some branches in our family tree that have little beads. If I just rub on those beads and say my one, two, threes, A, B, Cs, I'm justified. If I just say this little prayer, even we, our branch in the family tree, we fall into this trap of, if I just pray this prayer one time, oh, Lord, would you forgive my sins and come into my heart? And we leave here feeling so good. Why? Because we have emptied out our buckets of sin. And then we turn them right side up, ready to fill them up one more time. Amen? There is not a formula. There is not a, a feeling that puts us into the will of God. It is a journey. It is a day-by-day -day walk with the Lord. Not one decision, but multiple decisions. It is not just a one-time deal, and then all of a sudden, here I am right with God forever and ever, it is, if we're going to continue to grow in his will, then we're going to have to continue to, to work our way through this thing. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, be very careful then how you walk. I used to tell people that 
Angie's always loved dogs, and she would drag home every stray. Don't, please don't put any stray dogs out in our side of town. She will drag them home. And at one time, we had three dogs running around in our fenced-in backyard. And if anybody ever went to walk across the yard, first thing I'd say is, Watch out where you walk! And you know why? In life, we have to make these decisions. And Paul says, watch out then where you walk, how you walk. As I have said many, many times, it's always easier to step over it than step in it and have to wipe it off. Miss Emma, she, she repeats that back to me all the time. That's one of my favorite sayings. That's not in your Bible, but it is biblical truth. Too many times we just take off doing our thing and somewhere down the line, if we're doing it our way, we're going to step in it. And then you got to take the time to wipe it off. And Paul says, be careful how you live. Be careful how you walk. And if you do that, if you're watching where you're walking, then if there's trouble in the way, then you can step over it instead of in it. And you don't have to waste your time wiping it off. Too many times we just go by our feelings, we go by the formula, we step in it, and then we got to take time to wipe it off. So the will of God is a continual process. It is a journey in which we engage the Lord multiple times, over and over and over again. How, do, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to approach this? What do, what, what, I'm at a crossroads, and I don't know which way to go. I have come to the old saying, the more you learn, the less you know, is I have educated myself over the years, and most of you know that I have pursued my education all the way through doctorate. And the one thing that I came to the conclusion of, the more I learned, the less I knew. I am plumb stupid about a lot of things and a whole bunch about life. And there's so many times that I say, Lord, I don't know what to do here. There have been times in my life when both ways look terrible. And there have been times when both ways look absolutely magnificent. So what am I supposed to do? I mean, it's easy, all of us, a third grader. We could, we could get some of the kids from the back and we could put a, a, a big banana pudding out here or a bowl of poo. And none of them, I dare say, would have trouble picking the banana pudding. I, I dare say all of them could do it. All of us could do that. But what happens when both ways look good? What happens when the options that are before you, neither one of them looks like just exactly what I had pictured life would bring me? How do I know what to do. It's a journey, a daily journey. You've heard me talk about it many, many times, and it's something that I think about so often. And most of you have been around me enough, and he's coming up on nine years now, to know that I read a bunch, and I am just a, a virtual font of useless information for the most part. But I read a lot of stuff. I'm very eclectic in my reading. I read a whole bunch of stuff. And I came across an article one time, and it was a little snippet out of a book 
from a monastery about how the abbot would suggest that they handle the clothing of the people who had come and surrendered their life to the Lord's service in this monastery. And you know, I tend to think in things in pretty abstract forms and paint with, with a big brush. And I'm like, gosh, what would you do if you, if you had come to the Lord's service in this monastery where they devoted themselves to prayer and just being with the Lord and, you know, taking these vows of silence and all this kind of stuff? What would you do with the clothes that represent the world? Because they wear those robes. And the first thought that came to my mind is, let's have a big fire. Maybe once a year, everybody's coming in. We'll just pitch our clothes on the fire. We'll burn them. Woo! Have a big time celebrating. And we have come out of that darkness and into the glorious light of the Lord. But that wasn't the suggestion that was given. The suggestion that was given was, hang those clothes in the same closet with your robe. Not fold them neatly and put them away somewhere in a box. Hang them in the same closet along with the robe that you wore in the monastery. So that every day, whenever you awoke and it was time for you to get dressed for the day, that you would walk to that closet and you would see the clothes that represent the world that you came out of and you would see your robe that represents your life in the Lord. And then every day you would make that choice. I'm going with the Lord. Not that you're trapped. Not that I'd go back to the world if I just had some clothes so I could fit in. But that every day you'd walk to that closet and say, today I choose God. And I thought, man, such a better idea than me burning them in a big bonfire. That's the way we are with the Lord. There's not a, it's not a feeling. It's not like, ooh, I came to church and I, I punched my ticket with God today. Not that formula of one, two, three, ABC. But a process, a journey. That every day when we get up, we say, God, here I am and I'm choosing you. Would you help me out? Would you lead and guide me in everything I do? So that, that's, that's what the will of the Lord is. So what hinders us sometimes from, from getting to that point? What hinders us from, from being able to say that? Number one is fear the unknown. Because sometimes God will lead you down a path that you, wasn't, you weren't even thinking about. When I surrendered my life to the Lord... And I have shared this with you many, many times. I was so absolutely backward and bashful about speaking or singing or, or, or anything in front of anybody. If, I had a, if you could take me almost 30 years ago and stand me up here on this platform, I might be able to squeak out my name and then I would turn about as red as Ronnie Walton's shirt. I was, so, I was always so afraid that somebody would make fun of me. When I first got saved, I wouldn't even sing. Little church that, we, that Angie and I went to church in, and it, it had two sections, pews, and, and we would sit there on the, on the two end seats in the second row. And I would not sing 
out loud because I was afraid somebody would hear me sing and make fun of me. Now I don't care. Because like Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm alive. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Dead men don't have agendas. They don't get embarrassed. fact is they're totally dependent on somebody else to do everything for them and that's where the point that I'm striving toward in my life I don't care anymore I, I don't care if somebody thinks I'm crazy I don't care if somebody thinks I'm out there I don't care if they hear me praying and, and say man that guy has lost his lid I drive down the road sometimes and I'll be listening to a song or the Lord will put something on my heart I'll just be crying tears will come down my face I'll just be worshiping and I've even had people wave back at me. Hey, how you doing? I don't care. The fear of moving out, the fear of stepping out and doing something for God, the fear of whatever it is that God's putting on your heart to do will keep you from achieving his will for your life. Do not be afraid. Fact is, in Revelation chapter 21, it names off all the people that won't make it to heaven. Murderers, adulterers, liars, all those will have their part in the lake of fire. And sometimes we'll, yes, and amen, woo. But the way that sentence starts out is, and the fearful and unbelieving fear will keep you from achieving what God wants you to do. Boy, that wasn't to get up and shout around the sanctuary kind of, kind of scripture, was it? But here's the thing, fear of the unknown. And see, what we've got to do is realize that God's got it all planned out. Jeremiah 29, 11, you've heard me quote it so much, you can probably quote it better than I can. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. So if he knows the plans he already has for us, why would we worry? Even one little ounce. I know the plans I have for you. The plans to do you good, not evil, to bring you an expected end and to give you what? A hope in the future. Why do we worry? Why do we fret? Why do we consider the small things? Second thing is the fear of failure, and that's, that's tied up in there with that fear of, of the unknown. It'll keep us from achieving what God wants for us. He's got a, he's got a plan for us. We're going to succeed as long as we stick with him. As long as we will follow his plan, guess what? It's going to come out in a good way. We're going to be victorious. More than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen? Fear of problems that might come up. <clears throat> Sometimes when we choose the path to follow the Lord, it seems like everything on, on, in hell and on earth comes against us. Seems like it resists God's plan, and it does. But here's the thing. He said that he causes all things to work together for good to them that love him and called according to his purpose. It does not say all things are good. Don't misunderstand what Paul says there in Romans chapter 8. It does not say thing, all things are good. It says everything works together for good. 
Everything that's ever happened in my life that at the time I bawled my eyes out about, that I was brokenhearted about, God has turned that around somehow to where I got to use that as my testimony. Got us through some tough times, got us through some things that just absolutely broke our hearts. But here's the thing, God knows the beginning from the end, and he says that he causes all things to work together for good. Somebody say amen. So what enhances, if, that, if that's what hinders the discovery of the will of God, what can enhance the discovery of the will of God? Number one is a right relationship with God. Knowing that you know, 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 you're in right standing with God. Not any doubt. I've known people that have lived their whole lives and never had the joy of salvation because they were always hindered by the thought, what if, I, what if I'm not? And I was in that boat to begin with. I have shared my testimony with some of you all. The devil kept beating me up. You didn't do that for the right reasons. You, you didn't say all the right things. Back to that formula. You're not really saved. And finally, I wrestled with that and wrestled with it. It would seem like I worked afternoons at that time. So at 11.30 at night, I'd get off from work, and I'd jump in my little truck, and I'd head home, and it just seemed like the devil was in that truck with me. Talking negative. You didn't do that for the right reasons. You didn't, you didn't say the right words. You're not saved. Well, the only thing I knew is if I wasn't, I wanted to be. So I'd pray it all over again. I mean, I've got, I, I got, I've laughed and told people I got saved one time in church. I got saved 150 times in that little red Ford pickup truck. And finally... I got freedom from that because the Lord showed me, and you got to work with me here because I grew up in Kentucky, and we have some race tracks, horse tracks up there. And the thing that the Lord put in my mind was, if the devil keeps pushing you back into the starting gate, you're never going to make it to the finish line. Because I'd get so discouraged, and I'd start agreeing with him about, okay, I'm not saved. The only thing I know is I want to be. And I'd pray it all over again, start all over again. But when I came to that knowledge... I'm saved, and I know that I am. It set me free. And it was the last time the devil ever tried to use that against me because he knew he could not. So if we discover that we are in right standing with God, guess what? It frees us up to do. It's like I've said, if we're always concerned about us, if we're always concerned about our salvation, then we're just navel-gazing. We're sitting there wondering, am I saved? I don't know. Maybe I need to make things right with the Lord. Instead of looking out and seeing who it is that I need to talk to and get them in a the right relationship with God. That's how the devil works. If we're concentrated on us, we will never, ever talk to anybody else about our relationship with the Lord, let alone witness to them, let alone lead them through to a, a, a saving knowledge of the Lord. So what we've got to do is allow the Lord to give us that knowledge of our right standing with him, that we are in right relationship with him, that we are where we need to be. I'm going to check my time. My wife's not here this morning. She's kind of under the weather. So I've got, I got to tell myself when to land the plane. So, so we've got to know that we're in right re relationship with God. We've got to know that, that we are going to resolve to obey God in everything back to this journey 
that every day in everything, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to touch base with God. That I'm going to go to him in prayer. That I'm going to go to him with the, the issues of the day. That I'm going to go to him and, and say, hey, Lord, what, what about this? I know this seems like something little, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to take a wrong turn. I don't, even, I don't even want the opportunity to do something that would displease the Lord. Now, have I? Yes. Have you? Yes. Sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we get up there in that area that I told us to stay away from, that feeling. And I was feeling it. And boy, I just let them have it, and it felt good for about five minutes. And I'm like, oh, can't believe I said that. I can't believe I acted that way. I can't believe I did that. So what do you do? Run away? Hide? You say, Lord, here I am one more time. And you know my flaws. And you know I blew it. I know I blew it. Lord, would you forgive me? And you know what he's already said that he would. He said if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive it and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? It's done. Taken care of. So what that leaves us to do is to get a passion for walking in the will of God, to, to get a passion to fulfill God's calling in our lives. Everybody's calling is not the same. Everybody's call to ministry is not the same. Mine happened to be preaching and teaching. Yours may not be anything close to that. But we are all called to do something. Back to the Ephesians chapter 2 that we're all uh, created as God's masterpiece. Created to do good works that he planned for us long ago. So we're all called to do something. As long as we are alive on this earth, we are supposed to be doing something. We've got to find out that and have a passion for doing what God has called us to do. So how will I know? How will I know that I have discovered God's will? How will I know that I'm there? Number, number one, God's going to give you abilities that you probably didn't have on your own. He may magnify something that's already there. You may have had the gift of gab before being saved. Guess what? God, God may take that and magnify that. You may have the gift of gab about what the Lord's done for you. You ever met somebody that could so freely talk about their relationship with the Lord and everything that he's done? Sometimes we wish for that. God may give you that. He may magnify something that's already there. But he may give you abilities that says that he has gifted the church with Pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Maybe it's one of those office callings. It tells us in Corinthians that he gives the gifts of the Spirit. That is prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and tongues. Yes, is tongues still a thing? Yes, there's nothing in that Bible that says that it ceased. Interpretation of tongues. If there wasn't tongues, there would, surely wouldn't be interpretation of tongues. Gifts of healing. Gifts of miracles. All that still happened today, Brother Philip? That seems weird. What do you think's weirder? Calling a 1-800 psychic line and getting your horoscope? 
or talking to the one that made everything and us included. According to what your definition of weird is, I guess. So here's the thing. If God's got all that plan for us and he's got all those things, then shouldn't we be pursuing that? Shouldn't we be saying, Lord, here I am. Whatever it is that you have planned in my life, would you fulfill it? Would you show me just as much as you can of that plan? Sometimes he can't show it all to us. At one time, because if you were like me and very, very bashful, and God had showed me that I'd be up in front of people preaching and teaching every week, you talk about blowing my mind. How's that going to happen? How am I going to make that happen? I didn't have to make it happen. He did. So here's the thing. He he may give you abilities you've never had. He's going to, secondly, he's going to send opportunities your way. I surrendered to preach. And it was through tears and snot at the altar. My pastor at the time was the same age as me. It wasn't like he was an older guy. At that time, he was the same age as me. And I'd been dealing with it for weeks. I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like. Never been through this before. But I had this great burden to share the gospel. I had a great burden to talk to people about it. Just didn't know how. And so we had gone and we'd had a men's meeting on a Saturday night, gone and eat out, all the men did. We got back to the church where we had met. And I asked him, I said, would you just pray with me? I feel this burden here. And I wasn't over-exaggerating when I said it was through tears and snot and everything else. I went to that altar and I prayed and I'm, I just, it was like a ton of bricks fell. And I said, Lord, here I am. And I don't know what to do with this. But I think you're calling me to preach. And if you're not, you'll show me. And so my pastor said, how about you preach next Sunday night? Are you kidding? I just surrendered to preach. This should take years, shouldn't it? No, why don't you preach next Sunday night? So, man, all week I studied. I had enough notes. I thought I was going to preach probably 30 minutes or so. It's probably seven and a half tops. But you know what? He sent the opportunity. And a year later, one fellow had told me this. He said, you're going to remember every time you preach right now. But he said, do this because I wish I had. He said, just get buy you one of these cheap little ledger books at Walmart and just start writing down every time you get a chance to preach. Where you preached, what you preached. Still do it to this day. Every time I get a chance to preach, I write it down what scripture I used, where I preached. Sometimes write down a little something about what the response was or something like that. But I have done that to this very day. It's 27, 28 years later. So I got to the end of the first year from the time that I had surrendered my life to the Lord to preach. And I counted it up, and it was 52 times. I didn't get to preach every week, but some weeks I'd I'd go preach a little revival at some little church here, there, yonder, and all this kind of stuff. And so at the end of 52 weeks, I had preached 52 times. 
And it blew my mind that God had given me that many opportunities. So as God calls you to do something, guess what? He's going to open up door after door after door after door. Hey, you may miss the first door. You may kick it shut because it might be something you don't want to do. But God's going to open up another door and another door and another one to give you the opportunity to be his masterpiece that he created to do works that he planned for you long, long ago. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, as we struggle through this life, so many times we struggle with knowing your will, knowing what you called us to do. Lord, sometimes we struggle in our relationship. If there is one person that's here that's struggling with that, I know what it's like to be there. Lord, they need to know that they know that they know that they're right with you. Maybe it's just a simple thing like praying it one more time. And if you're struggling with it and you pray this this prayer this morning, you can come to me and say, Brother Philip, do you remember the first Sunday in June in 2019? I prayed that prayer with you. Would you remind me about what I prayed? And I will. Maybe you're here and you realize God's got a calling on your life and maybe you've been kicking those doors closed. Maybe this morning just rung your bell and you realize, hey, I got to do this to be fulfilled in this life, to feel like I'm going to accomplish God's will in my life. I've got to do this. If that's you and you pray with me this morning, you come to me and talk and we will work something out. We We will figure out what it is and we will make it happen to the best of our ability. Because I want you to be doing what God's called you to do. So with nobody looking around, if you're here, maybe you just, maybe you've never prayed a prayer and maybe you've never given your heart and your life to the Lord, but this morning you say, I want to do it, Brother Philip. I want to make things right with God. Or maybe, maybe like me, this is your 150th time. And you just say, I want this to stick. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up saying, Preacher, would you pray with me? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Very quickly. I just want to make things right with God. I want this to be the, 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 the time that makes it happen. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Let's pray. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this. I want you to mean it from your heart. Would you just say, Heavenly Father, I ask you today to come into my heart. And into my life, I need you, and I realize how much I need you. Would you please forgive me for all those things that would separate you and I? I've sinned. I've missed the mark. I've done things that would displease you, but would you forgive that? Would you just come alongside me and strengthen me to where those temptations won't be there anymore? And Lord, would you just save me? Lord Jesus, I know what you did on that cross. You died in my place. You died for my sins so that I could go free. And I thank you for loving me that much. But while I'm here on this earth, would you lead me and guide me and direct me and fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you lead me every day closer to you? Would you let me know your will? And I thank you for loving me. I thank you for saving me. 
Maybe I've prayed this prayer before, and today I just want this to be the last one, just like the preacher talked about. I want to know that I know that I know. Would you let that knowledge be in my heart? And I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap for that this morning. If you made that decision, especially for the first time today, I'd love to hear about it. You can come talk to me afterward. And uh, again, we're going we're gonna to keep praying for the Lord's will, keep praying for him to keep showing us what we need to do. And so uh, stand with me. We're going to be dismissed. Let me bless you, and we will be dismissed into fellowship. If you got a minute, don't run off. Take time to shake hands, hug necks, visit with one another. But let's pray. Father. Thank you for being with us, being for us. And Lord, you know everything that we're going to face this week. So Lord, would you just prepare us for that? Would you give us opportunities to share what you've done? Would you just, again, as we pray, Lord, uh, all of us, I think, are in some way, shape, form, or fashion are striving for that journey that we talked about. Would you help us to step over it and not in it this week? Would you help us to, to have our eyes out? Uh, not on ourselves, but out looking out for people out there that might need to hear this good news that we have. And so, Lord, we thank you in advance for doing that. We ask you that you'd go with us, keep us safe, and get us back here ready to worship you. And we thank you in advance for doing these great things. And we give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and everybody once again said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed into the hands of the Lord. God bless you. Have a great week. If anybody needs prayer for anything specific, I'll be up front.